Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. Um, today we're going to talk a little bit more about Antonio Alfano. Um, and also, obviously I was up in Boulder this morning for press conferences. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, but first I want to tell you just a little bit more about our friends at Drift Car Sharing. And hopefully they'll become your friends too because they're good friends to have. Uh, so basically the way drift car sharing works is when you're about to take a flight, you're driving up to the airport, instead of parking your car at the airport lots that cost $10, $15, sometimes over $30 a day, um, instead of that, you, you park five minutes short of the airport at the drift uh, car sharing lot, and they will not charge you to park there. They will clean your car. They will get you on a shuttle uh, to get you the last five minutes into the airport and uh, then they'll rent your car out and split the money with you. It's a great service. You should definitely check it out. Uh, for more information, you can go to drivedrift.com. Obviously, on the other side of things, you can also rent cars through Drivedrift. There's no under 25 fee. Uh, Allstate insures the cars. It's it's a great deal. It's just like the future of car rentals. You know, We used to have taxis, and now we have Uber. We used to have car rental agencies, but now we don't just put massive lots for people to park their cars in by airports and then more lots of cars for people to rent outside the airports because that just doesn't make sense there are already cars there might as well just swap um just makes everything easier for everybody makes a lot more sense and it's a great deal so uh definitely check that out you can make some money it, it could be worth 50 bucks a day while you're out of town plus they clean your car for free um it's a steal definitely do that okay but uh back to football and that's mostly what we're talking about we're going to dig into some basketball stuff later in the week because the buffs basketball team plays friday night in shanghai china and uh i i'm so excited i am so excited um they're they're in shanghai they're playing arizona state pac-12 rival you know i don't put too much stock in those games just because there are so many weird things that happen when you go into international travel you know you look at the NFL's London games, and it's pretty random who wins, but you know that somebody's going to win by a lot. One team is going to have adjusted well, the other will not have. I don't think there's much to it just because uh, it's so it's something you don't have to be able to do again. You know, it's not like being able to make 15 hours on a plane and doing whatever. I think they're hanging out with some kids from China, maybe some underprivileged kids taking them to Disney. Uh, it was like the world's biggest Disney World. Or maybe that was yesterday. It's it's kind of weird because 
it's the the time change means it's actually like the middle of the night there right now i think seven hours no that was wrong it was it's early in the morning it doesn't matter i we are not going to get in the specifics of days for all these cool things they're doing outside of the fact that the basketball game is definitely friday and that's going to be a blast um gonna be a, so much fun okay uh that's probably enough basketball talk for now um look for a, a basketball season preview to be coming out probably tonight tuesday night maybe monday morning kind of depending on how things go here um and that's kind of how we're gonna start digging into all of that as well um so there we go uh but for now it's still football season and we've only got what a month left four weeks left uh they play stanford at home for homecoming this saturday uh then next week they're off on a bye week and i'll be getting out of town getting up to montana seeing my montana grizzlies play weber state and their season's not going the same way the buffs is uh grizz just had their backup quarterback complete like 21 to 28 passes for 334 yards and a few touchdowns no interceptions and they're just rolling and i get to go back up there and see him play weber state weber state ranked third right now i think montana ranked sixth um it's gonna be some really good football really good competitive meaningful football and i'm excited about that uh but also before we get there uh the buffs are playing this weekend they're off next weekend and then they have washington at home then utah on the road that's a tough stretch and they need to win all three of those games to make a bowl game this isn't the situation they wanted to be in earlier in the season. You know, we, we were talking about their path to a bowl game. And, I mean, they have really, really deviated uh, from that path. You know, honestly, some of that gives you reason to believe that maybe the season isn't over. They still have that chance. And I can tell you right now, they still think they have a chance. But, you know, you look at the beginning. They beat Colorado State like we expected. That was part of the path beat nebraska didn't think they would didn't think they needed to lost to air force uh thought they needed that win beat arizona state you know didn't really know that they needed that one <laughs> then they uh then they lost to arizona one that i thought they would need lost to oregon lost to washington state lost to usc lost to ucla in a game that they should have won you know the the fact that they have looked good against some good teams should give you hope um Oregon is the best team in this conference. I'm confident in that. Utah is also a very good football team, but uh, I don't think that they're unbeatable the same way that that Oregon team is. And you look through and say, you know what? The Buffs hung with USC. Uh, they they beat Arizona State. They beat Nebraska. You know, it's still a good win for as much as we rag on Nebraska. They lost to Arizona Air Force. Those are close. You could see how they could still win some football games. Winning all three, I mean, I wouldn't bet on them. I definitely wouldn't bet on them after seeing what they've done um, recently. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you could after seeing um, the last few performances outside of USC where they actually did play pretty well, but there's just been so many times where they've come out just not looking like themselves. And we had a chance to talk to some of these football players today about why that is, why they aren't necessarily always playing like themselves um and again it comes down to details it's it's the same words that we hear over and over again out of this football program whether it's the players whether it's the coaches offense defense whatever details execution uh focus all all of these words that that just keep coming up over and over and over and you know 
doesn't seem to be fixing anything. Um, Steven said today, Steven Montez said today that uh, he, he felt like that was the problem again. Lack of execution, lack of focus, lack of whatever. Um, from the drop passes to the missed throws to the mental mistakes on the offensive line with more false starts. Heard more from Tim Lanott with that too. Uh, dug into the whole um, clap count versus vocal count and, and kind of what the differences are. Uh, I, th- I think Neil Wolk asked the question, you know, why, why do you go with the clap count? You know, what, what's that? And, and you know, at, at, at Oregon, you have to, and that's what Tim Lanott said. And I think I've seen that take before. I think maybe that was on Twitter. It was probably one of you guys uh, said on Twitter, you know, clap count makes sense at Oregon um, because you, you, you can't hear that's the only way you're going to be able to get it is if you can look at it and like there's something visual to see as well uh, for the outside guys who are kind of looking in. But then also it, that Tim Lanot actually had trouble explaining exactly why it's helpful. But uh, the I think what he meant to say is that just that sound kind of cuts the air more than a voice does. Um, just kind of, you know, I, I can't really say it either. Um but but there's that part where it just cuts through in, in stadiums and he mentioned you know it's built so that all the sounds just coming down on top of you it's a tough place to play and they designed it specifically to be that with that Nike money um and so that's why they have it but they still continue to use it in other places and it makes you wonder why do you need it in other places and the consistency is one thing um just never knowing what you're going to get you know that it works so why not just do the one thing without changing things every week um one uh, one more thing that I think I was really interested in, in 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 that vein from Tim was how he talked about the missed claps that sometimes sometimes somebody claps and uh, the the clap is not a good clap and it's so weird that this is football that we're talking about and a real problem that this Buffs offensive line is having is that whoever they're snapping the ball to is not good enough at clapping. And, you know, he, he made it clear, because when you say that, you think, well, obviously he's talking about Steven. Obviously he's talking about Steven. He's the quarterback, he catches the snap, he, he's the one who does the clapping. Um, but he said it only happened a couple times and did mention it happened in the Wildcat. Um, and, and sometimes those guys who aren't quite as used to the clap might not think of that as much of an important part of the play as some others. So, so you'll remember... Uh, back at that USC game, uh, when they lined Visca up in the Wildcat on whatever second and goal, I want to say, and there's a false start, jump back five yards, pick up the five yards, and they do it again on third and goal, and uh, false start again on third and goal with Visca in the Wildcat for the second time, and the same thing on third and one, and uh, or third and goal from the one yard line, I guess. That that seems like a situation where it was probably Visca not clapping well. Um, this is football we're talking about. There are moments when I say things like that where I'm just like, "What? what is even happening to this football season? What is happening in this football season that it is early November and I'm sitting here trying to grade which players are best at clapping? And not like clapping in a good way, cheering. Uh, it's frustrating for a bunch of reasons, but I mean, details, execution, you think about a whole bunch of different things, but there is so much that goes into every single football play that sometimes you miss. Um, and the quality of the clap from whoever is under center um, is something that I would not have 
considered in my wildest dreams to have been a major flaw for this football team. Um, so yeah, there's there's a little clap talk for you. Uh, wow, that's again just so depressing to think about. Um, back back to that three games left, need three wins, uh, whole scenario that's playing out. The, the players are aware. Um, Steven has said before, he said last week that he wants to go to a bowl game, that that's important to him. And, uh, they're going to, they want to find a way they want to do it. They feel like that's how this season should end. They feel like they're the kind of team that should be playing in a bowl game. I can't argue with that. Um, well, I can, if they're, it depends on which team. Again, it's like we talked about, there's good buffs, there's bad buffs. If the good buffs definitely deserve to be in a bowl game, bad buffs, I mean, they don't deserve to be playing Division One football. Like, I'm, I'm talking like FBS, FCS. I'm, I'm saying like they should be Division Two, II, Division Three down below. All that. Um, that's what they look like out there, which is, again, just so frustrating. Um, but you know, it came up again with Steven. You know, you said you wanted this. Now look at where we are. It's it's three weeks left. You need three wins. Backs are up against the wall. Do you feel the pressure? And he said, you know, obviously we've we've noticed that. Like it's on our mind. It's it's not like nobody was saying anything new to Steven. He didn't hear that and think, oh wow, we we need to win three games. Okay, let's get on that. No, he knows, but he says that's not something that they're focused on. They said that just like the rest of the season, they 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 need to go one week at a time. They need to go out there and beat Stanford, and uh, after that, figure out how to beat Washington. You know, I I've said before that a uh, a good goal for the season is to to make every game mean something for the Utah game at the end of the year to count for something, whether you win or not, and you probably don't. Um, but because because the Buffs were not picked to be in a bowl game, you'll remember the projections were typically somewhere three wins, four wins, two and a half wins, um, that if, if they could get five wins, it's unlikely that uh, that one of the five wins would be that last week of the season. So, you know, six wins of the bowl game, that's an easy target. That's an easy target to set. But five wins with uh, before you get into that Utah game means that every game means something. And that might be a more reasonable bar to set. And I think that that is still in play. Need to beat Stanford. Need to beat a really good Washington team, but you have the extra week to prepare. You get to play at home. And those are two things that should really sway things in your favor. Um, it's on the table. There's there's a path. the 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 six wins is going to be tough. I'm not totally out on this team yet, though. I'm definitely not picking them at the same time. Uh, you gotta you gotta prove something. I think that that's pretty much everything. So Tim Lenot and uh, and Steven Montez were the two players we talked to down below the first media session of the day. And I think that's pretty much it. You know. Ask Steven what's what's up with this offense, what's frustrating. And again, he has said it's just not clicking. We aren't getting the details right. If, if everybody does their 111th, then there will be a bunch of big plays. Every play should be a big play if, ev- if everybody does their 111th. That's how everything is designed. If everybody just does their job, then, I mean, a touchdown is how it's supposed to work. Every, every defensive player is accounted for. Um on in running games, there's there's a lane, and the running back does makes one guy miss, as is his job. 
There you go. There's there's a touchdown. Uh, in the passing game, all the plays are executed as designed. All the patterns are executed as designed. It's going to get somebody open. And there you go. He's gone. You know, whatever. Um, and he said it's just not happening. People are trying to do too much. They're putting too much on themselves instead of just focusing on doing what they need to do, doing the one thing they need to do. Um, before I forget, and before we take a little break, before we dig into Steven Montez, um, there are a couple of notes from today. Nothing too big. Um, of course, we got to hear about Antonio Alfano, and there was a press release with that. But also, um, a couple of details. They give out the... Uh, the uh, oh, I'm trying to pull up on Twitter, and... Um, People have jokes in my mentions, but uh, the point is, when <laughs> every week there there's the packet, the media packet that the Buffs give out, um, that kind of details a whole bunch of different things. You get the injury report, the depth chart, and um, also the players of the week. So yesterday, uh, they tweeted out. Yeah, I think it was yesterday. I think it was Monday. They tweeted out the Buffs football account. Tweeted out the players of the week. You have the offensive or player week, defense player of the week, special teams player of the week, scout team players of the week. And we got defense, Nate Landman. We got special teams. We got uh, the scout team. But there was a tweet missing with the offensive player of the week. And that kind of confused me. And I was like, okay, well, we'll wait until we get the packet and see who it is. Um, must have just forgot, forgotten to tweet that. Um, it got deleted. It got lost. Somebody forgot. You know, um, it was just a little mistake. Turns out the bus coaching staff didn't actually name an offensive player of the week for this week. Um by watching the game, obviously that isn't a huge surprise. You could say, you know, Jaron Mangum could get it, and Tim Lanott is is a good center. I mean, Tony Brown played well. There there were a couple of options, but I think that that's kind of a statement from the coaching staff. Uh, there was one other time this season that that's happened. Actually, not with the offense. It hasn't happened with the offense. But it was like week three, week four that there was no special teams player of the week. Um, so this is a pretty rare thing. I think it's the coaches sending a statement, and that's something worth noting. A um, couple more things worth noting. Uh, on the depth chart, uh, you have um, pretty much the same thing as all season. The same guys out for the year with injuries. Uh, Makai Blackman, Jarek Broussard, uh, not, or I guess Chris Miller is. Uh, Colby Purcell is still listed. Oh, he's actually listed as day-to-day. So that is new, and that's my bad. I should tweet that earlier. Uh, so he was out indefinitely with uh, having his gallbladder removed in early October, but I guess he's practicing. He's day-to-day. So there's news I didn't know I had, and I'll, I'll be tweeting that out in between segments here. Um, Chris Miller, like I said, was out. Tyler Lytle still day-to-day. Alex Fontenot, um, we learned today that he had a concussion in practice last week, and that's why he missed the UCLA game, and he is also day-to-day. So Alex Fontenot, Tyler Lytle, and Colby Purcell all day-to-day. Makai Blackman, Jarek Broussard, Chris Miller all still out for the season. Um, and that's all it's listed. You may be wondering, who, where, where is KJ Trujillo? And I would have expected to see him on there. The fact that he isn't makes me a little more confident that he's feeling better I, I don't I, we still haven't really gotten I don't think we've gotten anything on his injury did we know was he wearing a knee brace or something like that I, I, I don't know um, but but then you go over to the depth chart and KJ still listed in parentheses and italics which means I mean, he's injured and 
Here's what they say. Players listed in italics left a previous game with an injury. Game status ranges from probable to day-to-day to questionable. I would guess that this means that KJ's uh, probable, and that's definitely a good sign. He isn't listed in that number one spot. He's listed down at the bottom where all the injured players in italics are. Uh, same as Colby Purcell, actually, at right guard. Those are your updates. Uh, I think there was only one other change on the depth chart, and that was kicker Evan Price, um, the freshman, moving in front of kicker Davis Price, the senior. So, uh, again, not like a huge surprise. Stefano, uh, Stefano a, G, a junior, so he could come back and play next year. Um, missing those two field goals this week hurts his chances at the NFL. Uh, it's tough for him to break in because he is already 30. I'm sure you've heard that story. Uh, people love that story. Um, and it makes you think that if he's ever going to make a run at the NFL, he'd probably want to go do it right now. Or, uh, you know, the the two missed kicks makes it a little bit less likely that that would pan out and he would get a shot, so that might make it more likely he'll stick around. Point is, we don't know whether James Stefano is back next year. I would probably bet that he is, but behind him, they're they're throwing Evan Price, the freshman, in as the number two. So he could be next up next season. Um, yeah, and I think that that's about all I have for you in terms of notes. Um, yes, so let's talk about Breckenridge Brewery because we need a break from this football talk. It's, it's tough at this point. Um, Breckenridge Brewery makes good beers. Uh... I'm headed out to the Nuggets game tonight, which is going to be a lot of fun, and I'm going to have a uh, vanilla porter because our Nuggets guys have started drinking those during the podcast, and they've made it like a little bit to like crack it in front of the mic and and then call it a vanilla porter junior, like Michael Porter Jr. And I think somebody on Twitter actually made a vanilla porter junior bottle for us, um, not like a physical one, but a little fake one that he spent some time on Photoshop. Uh, So that's pretty cool, and it made me want one. And to celebrate Michael Porter Jr. still probably playing tonight, assuming Will Barton's still out, I'm not really sure, Um, I'm going to have a couple of those because they make sports more fun. Um, And it's good beer and good people, and you guys should support them because they support us. Uh, There we go. Also want to talk about uh, the Vita Mobile IV you may or may not have seen Ryan Konigsberg uh, go through a tough hangover after our Broncos draft party and uh, preseason game watch party at Blake Street Tavern. Uh, the video is on Facebook if you want to see it. But he was a mess. Vita Mobile IV came to his rescue. They uh, they saved him. He said he was a feeling like a four before the uh, IV. He was feeling like a nine after the IV, which took like 30 minutes, he said. They just come right to you. They plug you in. They zap whatever stuff into your arm, and it makes you healthy again, makes you whole again. Um, sciencey stuff going on there. But uh, whatever they put in him made him feel like a 9 in 30 minutes. And then he ate a sandwich, and he felt like a 10. So there you go. Vita Mobile IV, you can get 20% off. It doesn't come with the sandwich, I don't think, but you can probably make your own sandwich. You'll at least be in good enough shape to make a sandwich after you use it, I guess. Uh, if you use the promo code HYD20, you can save 20%. Uh, go to Vita, uh, VitaMobileIV.com. That's V-I-T-A MobileIV.com. And uh, you can book an appointment. You can download their app, too. That'll make it even easier. They come to you. It's it's a steal. They'll go to your dorm room, your office. 
or your house, obviously, because because adults, people with houses can also have hangovers that require IVs. Um, also, not just for hangovers. If if you have like if you want to be really hydrated, or if you like you play sports and you think you're good enough that you would notice the difference between being super hydrated and not being hydrated, then maybe you should try this. Maybe you have a kid. If you have like a kid in high school um, and he's playing a game in the summer, you know, uh, what's a like a summer sport? Baseball doesn't require enough effort to need an IV for anything. Um, I don't know. You know, need more hydration. You don't even have to drink water. You can just get plugged into them and it's even better. Okay, uh, back into what I learned today in Boulder. Uh, heard from uh, a couple more people, um, and let's start with Tony Brown. Uh, he was up at the podium today. It was a pretty short media availability because, uh, I mean, kind of <laughs> running out of things to ask, honestly, at this point. You know, I feel like we kind of have the story of the season. We It just kind of feels like this team is stagnated for two, three four five weeks at this point you know early on we were learning like here's a strength here's a weakness I mean, we noticed this uh tony brown whoa you you're you're this good at football who would have guessed and we had all these stories popping out kj trujillo was like a good story that i guess popped up and he was somebody we wanted to hear about and so every time we talk to a defense player it's like yeah so kj's breaking out right like why is that what is he doing in practice that makes him good like i don't know do you have any kj stories for us you know, that kind of stuff. But at this point, um, that was like one of the few things that's really come out that's fresh and new and exciting. You know, Daniel Arias, I had a chance to talk to him yesterday because he was on the field. And that was a new thing. Uh, we had seen him on the field. And, and at this point, you know, it's a lot of, so you guys, your offense isn't really clicking. Why not? It's weird asking that question again. You know, I've, I've probably talked to Tim Lenat three times in the last three four weeks and um sometimes i think one of them was just me a couple were with others and uh, i think that includes today and all of them have kind of been based around the penalties it's like oh the running game is good and also their penalties because those are just the things that just keep coming up the team kind of stopped building and growing and developing and it's just kind of stagnated in that same thing and so that makes these media availabilities a little bit shorter because the truth is, there isn't too much I feel like I need to ask Tony Brown. Like, I've heard about KJ Trujillo. You know, I've 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 heard, you know, their their drops and whatever. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's what happens when the football season goes this way, and they aren't really flaming out either. You don't have all these crazy like, oh this guy lost his mind on the sideline and so let's follow up you know what's what's up there it's just been you know tough it's been tough and so here's what we learned from tony um he said the same thing that everybody else did he said that the they screwed up the little things little, the little details they're missed blocks missed assignments uh again they feel like they're close they feel like they can still win football it's just uh i you know it's they just need to they just need to play better, and it's those same little things that have been plaguing them. Um, he asked if they kind of like have been growing, and he said no. It's pretty much the same things. Um, just execution, being able to get fixed in practice, reminding us to keep it fixed, to keep it going. Um, there's more stagnating. Uh, I'm battling through the adversity of the season so far. He he said yeah, it's it's been. 
a, a battle. It's tough. I don't know. That's that's basically it. You know, you start hot, and there, that was pretty much it from the media availability. Um, talk to Numoto Fallo, Fallo as well. I, I always almost say his name right. Numoto Fallo. I, I always get to the end and say Fallu and then stumble because I know it's wrong. Like, I know what his name is. It's just saying it. I don't know. I haven't had too many opportunities to say it, I guess. Um, he, he said that he's excited about Stanford. He said it's going to be a good test for his defense because they play smash mouth football. They, uh, you know, that's, that's what Stanford is. That's what Stanford has been. They, they're big up front. They run the ball. They have a dominant defensive line. You think of the defensive line prospects who've come out there. You think of the offensive line as well. And then the, the running backs, uh, Stanford's a good football team, or at least it was in the past. Now it's like, eh, you know, um, but but I think that's exciting for him. I think that's going to be similar to uh, similar to UCLA in some ways. I think that I don't know. It's it's so hard to compare Pac-12 schools, um, in terms of their football programs. UCLA are are they better than Stanford? I bet UCLA would beat Stanford this week if they were to play head to head. I think I think at Stanford I would still pick UCLA to win. Um, but they play similar styles. Obviously, UCLA has the mobile quarterback. Stanford has more pro style, pro prospect actually. KJ Costello, a guy who I was kind of high on, but he's been out for a lot of the season with uh with a concussion. Uh, he's I guess he's been back for a while. I think. Um, digging into Stanford here soon though. Uh, Fallow talked about KJ. Uh, he he says that pretty much the same thing I said, that he does want to throw the ball. He's trying to get the ball to guys in space. That he goes through his reads. Um, it's, uh, you know, that's just a good good pro-style prospect of a quarterback. That's what he is. Um, he, he also talked about how it is kind of the end of his time here at Boulder. He said two more games at, at Folsom. Um, tough loss, and they, they don't want to leave with regrets. Um, he, he's been, uh, he says he's happy to have had the, the better role, he, bigger role. He's proud to have had the bigger role, uh, this season as a senior getting to spend some more time on the field. He says he likes representing the buffs, representing Colorado, um, and, and helping getting the team back to where it was. Um, just proud to have the name on his Jersey. Um, uh, that's, it's always like a tough time, you know, uh, seeing guys, have their times end you know as fans it's it's all kind of the same because you're just watching for 40 50 years and you're used to this whole process but it's the end of his football career uh you you hope that for him and some of these other guys that will come with a some sort of sense of urgency to win a couple more games on the way out um yeah i I think that that's most of what uh he had to say um Mel's media availability was a little bit shorter. It wasn't as long as it typically is, but uh, there was some interesting stuff, and so let's get into that. Um, obviously, it started with Antonio Alfano. Uh, this is going to be more exciting to talk about because Mel had a lot to say about him, um, and a lot of it was very positive. All of it was very positive. Said He says he expects him to be an impact player. Um, but at the same time, he expects everybody on the team to be an impact player. Whether you're a freshman, senior, walk-on, scholarship, you have to be a star in your role. 
um, which I think I I like the take. I like the take, but Antonio Alfano's role is going to be a little bit flashier than a lot of guys on this football team, and that could be the case right away. Um, sounds like the Buffs are trying to go through with that waiver. They they want to get him on the field next year. Um, his his uh, eligibility, like I mentioned yesterday, is up in uh, 2023. That will be his last season, whether he plays next year or not. And so it's not like you're pushing everything back a year by letting him sit out. You're actually just losing that year. Um, who knows if they'll actually get the waiver? It's always kind of random. But uh, I know the Buffs are hopeful. I, I think people throughout that program are pretty hopeful. And uh, like I said yesterday, I'd be willing to bet. And if, if I were to make a bet, I would say I would guess he's going to play next year. Um, Mel was asked about that and said, uh, we'll see. So they don't know all that much. Uh, there was a lot of talk about Alfano. Um, actually... Mel tried to recruit Alfano to Georgia when he was the defensive coordinator at Georgia. Um, Georgia was one of the, I, th- I think it was a final three uh, school for Alfano. And uh, that means there was some sort of chemistry there, right? I uh, said he's a very dynamic player, can do a lot of things. Th- here's a real line. He said, those recruiting battles are hot and heavy. Uh, so I like that. He said, I remember him going through the process and looking for the best place for him. And consequently, he expressed interest to come to our place. He sees the vision. He knows what I'm all about and what our goals are here. And he wants to have an opportunity to be successful on and off the field. And we were able to make that happen. Um, he he was asked, you know, it's the same thing that we talked about yesterday. You know, that, that defensive line did not look like a strength uh, when we were uh, previewing this season. It, it looked like one of the weaker points uh, by by far. They, you had Mustafa Johnson and then a bunch of question marks. But I think a lot of these guys have really proven themselves and then all of a sudden you throw Alfano in there and that's massive, obviously. And Mel Mel said that immediately when he got here, the, they, they just knew they had to get bigger and stronger, more explosive on offense and defensive lines. Um, and, and so they've been trying to do that through recruiting. I uh, said that's going well, and they're expecting to keep adding to the trenches, and that's uh, that's kind of the team that he wants to build is a team that's built off of those those lines, and I think that most good football teams are. You know, all of a sudden you can run the football, you can stop the run. There you go. There's a game plan right there. If, if you have some playmakers in the secondary or at wide receiver, then all of a sudden – you're going to be really tough to stop. But that offensive-defensive line where everything all just kind of starts, and that's at least what Mel Tucker's trying to do, trying to create here. Um, he he said that uh, part of recruiting is momentum. And and so when you, when you bring in a guy like Alfano, you're likely to bring in a couple of more guys around the same time just because they see that I mean if you could convince the the one time f- first overall recruit in the 2019 class that he should be in Boulder guys see that and think oh maybe there is something going on here maybe maybe we should follow up maybe you should give them a chance and that says that in his experience that's how it works 
And what a time to do it with the the group of recruits that are coming into Boulder on Saturday for this Stanford game. Um, Brendan Rice back in town. Uh, you know, uh, Ashad Clayton, the running back in town. I'm, I'm going to get through this whole list at some point. That'll be part of a preview probably, either on the podcast or uh, on the website. Um, but But they talk he said they know everybody their parents know each other they they they're in the camps they're in the showcases they play football together all the time and and there are relationships between guys throughout the football world the recruiting world and and that's why it's so big to get that momentum moving and uh he's he says that he should be able to recruit people to Boulder. It's a very attractive place for the top recruits, he says, and they're going to recruit those players aggressively. And we're seeing that. You know, this is a it's a big win. It's a big win for sure. Uh, more importantly, I think this was probably the uh, most interesting part to me was hearing about what it was like meeting Alfano um, when he was here uh, this weekend. And I'll I'll just read the quote. Uh, Mel said, I had some really good conversations with Antonio about his futures and his goals, his aspirations. They're totally aligned with what we want to do here in our program, both on and off the field. So like I said, I'm really excited about him coming to Boulder and being able to flourish and reach his goals. I believe that he'll be a better person, a better student, and a better football player as a result of deciding to come here. We're going to work together to help him reach his full potential. That's... It's what you want to hear. It's what you want to hear that uh, it's all positive. Obviously, Mel thinks that he was worthy of a scholarship. Um, we got to see how it all plays out. You know, he did go to th- three high schools and two colleges and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of the high schools were packed in there pretty late in his career. But he he says that he thinks that he can turn things around in Boulder. So got to give it a run. Um, also, he talked about things that weren't Antonio Alfano. And a lot of them were pretty dry. Um, this wasn't the most exciting. Be- I mean, honestly, it's just not the most exciting time to be up in Boulder. There isn't a lot to be excited about, uh, except for Antonio Alfano. And uh, and we talked about Stanford being physical, being well coached, um, just not making mistakes. They just do their jobs and make it simple. Um, he was asked if. Uh, he expected for the season to go this way. You know, the Buffs are sitting three and six. I think disappointing to Buffs fans. I think just dis- disappointed people within the program ab- about what was anticipated from this team nationally. You know, they they beat Stanford. It's more than one what's in- anticipated by some people nationally. Um, but here's what Mel is say about whether this was kind of how he thought things would go. He said, I don't believe in self-imposed limitations. So for me, it is what it is, and you work every day to get the results that you want. My experience has been that in the first year of a program, there's going to be tremendous challenges, and that's what I'm built for. Nothing surprises me, and I'm really committed and fully engaged on getting this program where it needs to be. I like the answer. Um, I don't believe in self-imposed limitations. I like that. You know, he said over and over that he thinks that this group of guys, they can go out and they can beat anyone if they do their jobs. And there's having trouble with that part of it. Um, That's probably it. That's probably it. That's I don't think we need to touch on anything else from what Mel had to say. Um, But before uh, we jump into some comments and I I look quickly, it looked like we had quite a few comments. 
Um, I want to tell you about the Denver Rubber Company. And the Denver Rubber Company is obviously local. That's what they call it, the Denver Rubber Company. Uh, it's been here since 1972, and it's it's just the most reliable partner that you're going to be able to find for long-term prog- uh, projects. They, they can provide the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. Uh, Denver Rubber Company offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, they can help you out in the aerospace fields, pharmaceuticals, construction, medical, uh, military, electronics, pretty much anything. Uh, it's an ISO certified company. It'll work with you from design to final product. It's cost effective. It'll meet your requirements. If you're in need of custom design, material selection for your project, or have a deadline to make for a large order, don't hesitate to call the Denver Rubber Company. The phone number is 1-800-259-0010. Or if uh, you're an internet person like me and most people, uh, you can go to drcfirst.com slash dnvr. And then they'll know that we sent you, which we appreciate. Okay, um, before we get out of here, uh, let's dig into the comments. And I think that people had uh, people had some takes in Antonio Alfano. Uh, and so let's dig in. The uh, first comes in from, oh, wait, they go at the bottom. Yes, they're at the bottom. Okay. Uh, Oh, they're all replies. They're all replies. This is bad podcasting. Okay, Sunny Rain says, he's a good player. I'm not sure that he's as dominant, dominant as the film would suggest, though. Still, if this kid will actually hit the field for CU, it would be a massive help to a D line that's dying for an infusion of talent. Mostly, I like the message that it sends to recruits. Yes, you should consider Colorado. Something big is happening here. Yeah, um, I think that's a good place to jump back into the Antonio Alfano discussion. The tape. Um, love watching his tape. Love watching his tape. Obviously dominant. Obviously, he's playing high school kids. Most of them aren't playing Division One football. Expecting him to look like that, not realistic. What you can't expect is for him to still be better than pretty much any of the competition he's going to face. Does that mean he's going to be in the backfield on literally every snap? Probably not, especially not early on. You hope that he turns into the type of dominant player like Nick Bosa uh, or Chase Young, who's doing it this year. You know, I had the four sacks against Michigan, looked like a monster. Um that's 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 what you're hoping he can be. You're hoping that he can become a game wrecker. Is he going to do the same thing where he's just like throwing two kids out to the side, two offensive linemen at the, to the side and running through the hole he creates to sack the quarterback? Probably not. I mean, I can tell you almost definitely not, but he is a really good football player and uh I I do think that he's definitely worthy of of the the accolades that he got. I think that he very clearly has the potential. You know, we were running through it today uh, Andre Simone, who uh, isn't like a big buffs guy, but is like a big football guy, he's a big recruiting guy. Uh, you guys might listen to the draft podcast I do with him. And he's more of a uh, grading football prospects type of person than, a, you know, covering on a day-to-day. And so he was running through, and he was incredibly hyped about this kid coming to Colorado. Uh, as hyped as anybody else, just because he's a football nerd, not because he's a Buffs fan. And uh, I think I think the most interesting stuff he came up with was comparing uh, Antonio Alfano's numbers to 
Nick Bosa's numbers. So let's just run through it, and I'm just going to read his tweet. Uh, so Alfano, 6'4", 285, uh, 34-inch arms compared to 6'4", 266, 33-inch arms for Bosa. 4.8240 for Alfano, 4.7940 for Nick Bosa, 36.6 inch vertical for Alfano, 33.5 inch vertical for Bosa. Uh, Bosa does win the shuttle, the 20 yard shuttle, 4.14 versus 4.27, and the spark rating, which is kind of you know the all inclusive, uh, 124.8 for Alfano, 128.5 for Bosa. So that's pretty comparable. Um, kind of back and forth, but pretty similar to all the numbers. And uh, so Alfano's numbers were pulled from when he was a 17-year-old at a camp. And Nick Bosa's numbers were pulled from uh, the the NFL draft combine. So so, so, so uh, it's pretty safe to assume that Alfano can improve on some of those. And, and that's the type of prospect that he, that he could be. So, like, will he be what he was on film? No. It's kind of like, you know, there's the Michael Orr stories, the blindside stories where it's like, yeah, he picked a guy up, just ran him 100 yards into whatever, the track behind the field. He wasn't doing that in college, but he was still really good. Um, as a football player, I'm 100% bought in on him. There, It's rare you get to see this type of talent on tape. Um, he clearly has it. Yes, defensive line needs it. Uh, also, the message recruits, we kind of touched on that, but yes, uh, they should consider Colorado. Something is big, big is happening, even if that is just signing Alfano. Uh, massive. So massive. Um, could lead to more, could lead to more very, very quickly as well. Um, yeah, that reminds me. Uh, Julius Coates, uh, you'll remember, I think we've talked about him just a little bit. He was the freak athlete. I can't, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but something like 6'7", 265, 260 something. He he was a JUCO tight end at, not Independence, I think East Mississippi Community College, uh, committed to the Buffs. A lot of people were upset that the Buffs offered him. He was going to come on as a defensive end. He was early on in his time as a defensive end after being a tight end, and, uh, Nobody was really offering him, wasn't on the radar, and a lot of people were upset that the Buffs offered him a scholarship. Well, just yesterday, Nebraska offered him, Oregon offered him, Kansas State offered him, and now he's getting all these looks from all these different schools, and the Buffs got in there and identified that talent first, which is so huge. Being the first one in in those situations, trusting your your talent evaluators to see that this is somebody who could do something for you. It's something that Matt McChesney and I have talked about before. Um, past coaching staffs weren't worried, weren't willing to do that. It, they didn't really trust their talent evaluators enough to go out there and offer guys who didn't have some big name offers already. It was more like, Oh, Stanford offered you. Well, we should probably offer you too. Um, and, and that's a huge huge change um something it's tough to emphasize just how big that is that this this coaching staff is willing to take those risks because that's how you get a guy who is this freak athlete who's you know i think what what might have done it is a clip that came out of him as again a defensive end just making an offensive lineman look silly and pulling in a sack this week in his football game And, and that's what it took for these guys to uh offer him you hope that Colorado can hold on to him. Obviously, that's what's most important here, other than getting like 
looking like you made the right decision offering him because other teams are providing competition for you now. That doesn't really make sense, but it, it's 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 nice that they identified what he was before anybody else did. Um, could that mean that they got lucky and they're going to make some mistakes down the road doing the same thing? Sure, but I, I think that that right there is a massive sign that this coaching staff could actually build something in Boulder, that they can hit on guys like that. Um, that It just gives you such a huge advantage. Okay, uh, we'll move on, though. Um, to Bbector22, who responds and says, what makes you suggest he's not as dominant as his film? Film doesn't lie, and two sacks at the Alabama spring game doesn't lie. Uh, Sunny Rain says, ah, oh, the spring game. It's the perfect situation to do something big. No one has the book on you and what you do well yet. So yes, he was talented enough for that. But I think that being the big fish from a small pond, or from a small lesser talented New Jersey pond, he quickly saw just how far off he was in overall talent once Bama began practicing. In high school, he couldn't be blocked. The kids just weren't big enough or talented enough. If Alfano had played high school ball in California, Texas, Florida, he likely would have been more equipped to handle the jump to Bama. Um, let's just keep reading through this and I have some thoughts. Um, Sonny Rain says, go look at Alfano in high school. It was ridiculous and a very clear indication that the talent he played against was really not very good. It was pretty funny. Actually, he looked like Godzilla versus Tokyo. Uh, beat back to 22. New Jersey is generally considered one of the top 10 states for producing D1 football talent. Maybe he just is Godzilla unless everyone who evaluated him was wrong. Be back to 22 or just watch his highlights in the all America game. He dominates. So basically he might not be as good as everyone thinks because he's leaving Bama sunny rain. Again, those situations don't tell the tale. What you can bank on is that once the player, uh, Alfano beaten the Bama spring game, got more of a look at him. The likelihood is there was a different outcome. Something made Alfano decide to leave Alabama and obviously wasn't because he wanted to be closer to an ailing grandmother. Ooh, I do want to talk about that. Alfano is a solid player. He would help see you big time, but I'm not crowning the dude when he suspect he couldn't hack the talent at Bama. Be back to 22. Those situations might not tell the tale, but neither does assuming he couldn't hack it at Bama. Glad he's a buff, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, see what Folsom jumps in. His high school film is fantastic. His numbers are amazing. NJ, uh, New Jersey is a really good base for competition, and he was 24-7 sports, not composite. Number one overall recruit last season. Your assumption that he wouldn't be as good against Alabama line if they had more than spring to play against him is A, an assumption, and B, misguided, because as it turns out, the teams he'll play against with CU will have one game to go against him, not in offseason. He's 6'4", 285 pounds, run, runs a 4'8". That's pretty legit, regardless of the state which NJ is still pretty good. I might also add, it is super rare to have a five-star D lineman get a redshirt year. He will have a full year of maturing before he's a redshirt freshman. And casting assumptions about why he left Alabama speaks nothing to his talent, since I presume none of us actually know, maybe including it as a negative doesn't make sense. And likewise, it's only positive because it will bring him to Boulder. Okay, so that was a lot. Um, Reasonable discussion. Like, I... I I, I love you guys. You guys aren't fighting and calling each other names like what happens everywhere else on the internet. Um, but yeah, no, I think good points. There's definitely reason to be concerned. Like he was clearly the best football player on that field. And those guys weren't Bama caliber athletes. Uh, it would be kind of interesting to go back through and see who he did play play with. You know, how, how many offensive linemen did he face who were actually d1 guys d2 guys even just 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 to see but uh it's it's tough to do what he did he just dominated he nobody was close 
I'm not sure if you guys have watched Jadavion Clowney's high school film, but you guys should go back and take a look at that because it, it's similar and it had people losing their minds. It's it's honestly just the same stuff where it's like uh, he's bigger, stronger, faster. There's nothing you can do. It just throws you out the side, jumps on top of, you know, it's, it's incredible. Um, yeah. Where do we even dig in here? Um, I'm very high on Alfano's talent, and I said that early in the show. Uh, I, I do think that he is one of the most talented players. I think that this will translate. Um, I do want to say, and I can't remember if I said this on the podcast last night or if I just realized this morning, but, uh, you know, it it can't be easy to be a guy like him and be somebody who just wins at football. You know, he doesn't even have to try. He he could he could not practice. He could not lift. He could not do any of that. Show up to the football field on Friday nights and do anything he wanted to. That's what football was to him for his entire life. You go to Alabama, things change. Um, all of a sudden, it's a battle to. It's a it's a it's a battle to even compete. And the fact that he, I mean, two sacks in the spring game as a freshman, that's pretty big. I, it's big. It's definitely big. Um, I'm not as low on him for the uh, personality stuff. Uh, I, based on what I've heard, it, I, it doesn't sound like it should be a problem. You know, you bring up the grandmother thing. Uh, that's, uh, I don't know, it's so many weird takes. So many weird takes. You know, there's... Th- his grandmother probably New Jersey. I think we all just assume. I'm not sure if we know for sure. Remember, she was sick. That's part of the reason all the things that happened happened. Um, in my opinion, probably a pretty small part. Um, but unless he was transferring home to New Jersey to play football up there, you know, it's it's not like it, this is that different. You know, if 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 I knew that I wanted to go visit my grandmother a lot. I wouldn't think, oh, I should go to Tuscaloosa because it's however many hours. It's a 10-hour, 15-whatever-hour drive, 20-hour drive compared to Colorado, which is another three, four-hour drive. I think, huh, Denver International Airport, cheap flights anywhere. I could jump on a plane for cheap, get a direct flight, get back there. Tuscaloosa, no. I mean, don't... It's 2019. Don't think about all this stuff just geographically. It's, it's a lot easier to get there from here than it would be from Alabama. Uh, that'd be a whole process. It'd be expensive. Would it, would it be easier if you were within an hour or two drives so that that was on the table? Sure. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, if you, he has his reasons. I'm not too worried about it. I think that it's going to get figured out. I think that the support system's here. I think... The, the fact that he was likely referred to Mel by somebody on that coaching staff, the fact that he knew Mel from the recruiting, that Mel has known him from recruiting him for a few years now, so many things just make me think that this is going to work out. And part of it is, you know, Mel would cut bait if there was a reason to cut bait. He, I think he has a good sense of this. I don't think he'd just straight up take the risk if he didn't know or wasn't confident that things would go well. Um... Okay, that's my take on that. I think you guys had, that was definitely just a good discussion, you know. What exactly is he at the college level? I don't know. But I mean, go back and watch Brendan Rice tape. 
watch watch what Brendan Rice does, and and you'll be like, yeah, he's good at football. He's he's better than the cornerbacks going up against him. But you wouldn't think, oh my God, this kid is dominant. There's no stopping him. There's no. And, Alfano's a whole nother level of prospect than anybody else on this football team. Um, I, I think Brendan Rice is going to be really good. I think that he's going to be a major contributor, probably not next year, but the year after. And you watch his tape and you're like, yeah, okay, flashes. He looks good. But it's not like he's just unstoppable. I mean, he's it's not like he's putting up Visca numbers in high school football. Alfano's putting up world-beating numbers. He He's... He's not just passing the eye test. He's he's destroying the eye test in a way that very few people have ever. New Jersey, is it California, Texas? No, but, I mean, you can't ask him to do much more than what he did. Like, you could not ask him to do almost anything else. Uh, look at an All-America game. You can you can see a bunch of clips from that. Um, he's, he's, he's good. Is there... There is that jump, though, and and more than I'm worried about whether he has the ability to be the, the multiple sacks per game type of athlete. I'm I'm worried. Does has he had a chance to learn now, going through this whole Alabama thing, what it takes to be a college football player, what it takes to just be a football player? You know, football players have to work to get better, and that's not something that was ever the case for him. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, oh, and I just lost the page. I wanted to move on. Um, yeah, definitely keep this discussion going, though, because this is a weird situation. It's definitely the most interesting thing that's going on in Boulder at this point. Outside of the basketball season starting, also soccer team, um, looking good to make the tournament. They play one more game against Utah this weekend. Uh, selection Monday is on Monday, and we'll figure out what's going to happen. There's a decent chance, I think, still that they might host the first weekend of games. 64-team field. They do, like, a Thursday... Sunday or right no Thursday Saturday or Friday Sunday thing where there are four teams that go to each city and that's like the first stage of the bracket so that'd be a lot of fun we'll follow along of course uh be back to 22 says wow we needed something good to happen in the worst way and this is huge any Mel doubters are insane dude just sold a three and six football team to the best recruit in the 2019 class I always forget about Nigel Bethel yes yes uh the former four-star corner transfer from Miami he is already practicing with the team. Should be a huge help in the secondary next year. Mel continues to fill holes on this roster, and I trust him to do so until this program is back. Go Buffs. Yeah, Mel, it's a couple years. Um, things through year one, if I were to grade what he's done, oh, oh this is tough. If I'd grade what he's done, I'd give him a B. Maybe, yeah. If, if I were to grade how hopeful I am for the future, I would definitely give him an A. Um, I think that that's fair. I think if if he had a couple more wins, then you could give him a little bit great, better grade for what he did. If he pulls in one or two more bigger name recruits, uh, I think you could give him an A as well. Um, in terms of faith for the future, he has like the blend of things that makes me think it's going to keep getting better. Uh, results just weren't, you know, they were good. Results were good. They weren't great. Um, and he still, I guess, has, what, a month left before it becomes a year, month and a half, and we'll figure it out. Uh, see what Folsom says. Quick correction for you. Oh, yes. Uh, did want to talk about this. Uh, signing a financial aid agreement does not constitute a contract, and he could back out if he wanted. Bus fans might 
remember pre-2016 season and Jordan Webb. All that said, I'm not being a downer. I see him definitely being a buff, but just for your information, it's not buying until he signs on National Signing Day. Yeah, so it's actually like you don't know for sure until he actually enrolls in classes. Um, the financial aid agreement does not affect student-athletes the same way that it affects normal students. Should have guessed. Um, so, yeah, you technically could flip again that would be a surprise. I think he knows that he could go anywhere he wants. It's not like there's some surprise offer that's going to come in. Um, so yeah, I think that's all I've got for you guys today. I'll be back tomorrow on Wednesday. I'll be back up in Boulder in the morning. Of course, I think we're going to start digging into Stanford and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then Thursday it'll be time to start talking basketball so that I can get that podcast up Thursday night. So you guys can listen Friday, We'll, we'll preview that Arizona State game because that's going to be a lot of fun. All right. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Um, see you then.